We are looking at the moral shift of somebody purchased by God next on Truth For Today. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, hi there, and welcome to today's broadcast of Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. We're continuing our series called God's Design for Life, and indeed, He has a design for you and I, and it's laid out here in Scripture, specifically Ephesians chapter 4, which is where we find ourselves today, continuing a message we began last time we were together called The Ethics of the New Life. Our ethics, the way we live, our moral compass changes. For more, here's Pastor Phil. We come to this section of Ephesians. It's very practical. Christianity is not just an ethical religion. Every group has a list of ethics. You do and you don't do. Hear me well, though. Christianity says your good behavior does not get you to heaven. For while we were enemies of God, while we were without strength, uh, when we were at our worst, God saved us. You had no ethics, just as these Gentiles he saved in the book of Ephesians. So I want you to be sure to know that when we preach through this ethical section, you've got to know the listeners of Ephesians heard the first three chapters God's great salvation in Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, and all this divine work of God in us. Now he's saying, now that you've put on Christ as a Christian and you're in him, you are to take on a new set of behaviors, a new set of ethics, as it were. But we don't go ethics first. We go to the cross first. We go to salvation first. We go to the means of behaving like the Christian ought to. You see, the Christian life is not hard or difficult. It's impossible. You can't live like a Christian and pull it off unless the power of the Spirit is at work in you. So don't just sign up, oh, I can do it. Israel couldn't keep the Ten Commandments. And God gave them 613. And so we want you to know that we're not under law, but under grace. But grace teaches us how to live righteously and soberly in a present world. I think something else we need to know that when you come to Christ and you become a believer, you belong to a God that can never lie. You belong to a God that uh, never learns anything. He knows everything. And there's three things about him. He's genuine. He's real. He's not an idol. He's not a make-believe. He's not Santa Claus. He's not an image that we ascribe uh, attributes to. He is the real living God, the creator God, unique. When we call him holy, he's set apart from all others. He's a God that operates in the realm of veracity. He always tells the truth. He is not a man that he should lie. And if God says he made Adam and Eve, he told the truth. And we don't need a test tube to find out if he told the truth. When God says something, it's always true. The 1948 edition of Encyclopedia Britannica is no longer true. 
in all of its scientific statements, too much progress. God never has to be updated. He's always right. That's why we look like albatrosses and live on the lunacy fringe because we say, I don't need a postmodern world to tell me there's no truth. I have believed the God who is truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Christ says. So we believe in absolute truth because we have an absolute source. San Francisco Chronicle doesn't determine what we behave like. And because God is truthful, there's something we ascribe to him called faithfulness. And faithfulness simply says he will always perform what he said he would do. I just read in Chronicles where when Solomon was dedicating the temple, he said, there's not been one of the promises God made to our fathers that he's failed to perform. See, when we say, I love the faithfulness of God, can God keep covenant? Can God keep what he promises? Now, you said you could meet my needs, Lord, but can you? He said, I've fed two million people for 40 years, day and night, paid the grocery bill. Nobody starved. Matter of fact, Moses said nobody's feet even swelled. There was enough in the wonder loaf from heaven to keep them from berry berry. If you eat a singular diet for too long, you'll lack certain vitamins you need and you get beriberi, you get other foot diseases. He said they didn't have, their feet never did swell. Why? God knows how to bake bread. God knows how to put in the diet everything you need. For 40 years, I took care of you. I gave you water. I gave you bread. I gave you manna. Do I know how to take care of you? Where'd you get all these trees? Where'd you get all this oil? You act like we created it. Our faithful God provided it. So we've got a God that is truthful, reliable, genuine, faithful. And then all of a sudden, he saves a bunch of liars. And he puts them in Christ. And now he's going to tell them. Let's begin in 420. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Like these Gentiles in verses 17 through 19th sensual, feudal, screwed up thinking, all those things. You did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self or your old man, which is being corrupted by his deceitful desires Secondly, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Get rid of the old, start being renewed in your minds, which is a continual process, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now we begin the ethical section, and it runs from verse 25 through 515. And I just, in the outline, just gave you what it looks like through 5.2. Uh, he gives us seven ethics, and in the middle of them is don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. Motive? For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Motive? Don't give the devil a foothold. 
He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but work doing something useful with his own hands. Motive, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Motive, that it may benefit those who listen. And in the middle of this, he says, don't grieve the spirit. And he's quoting a passage from Isaiah that said, you were stubborn and you grieved God's spirit when he led you in the wilderness. And he's saying in the midst of our ethical system, there is the divine presence of the Holy Spirit that no matter if there's not been a rule written or no matter what you pull off legally, the ultimate decider on whether you're being ethical is whether the spirit is grieved or pleased. So there is a divine person connected with your behavior. It's not just commandments written in stone. The spirit of God will tell you whether you're acting right or not. Some people, they play it to the law. You know, I did it just, but the spirit's still grieved because he sees motive. He sees manipulation. He sees through all that veneer you've got. Whatever you do, whatever you do with anyone in any of these ethics is the Holy Spirit being quenched, grieved, made to sorrow, or is he at peace in you? That is the ultimate umpire of all ethics. The world doesn't have this. Buddha doesn't have this. Hindus don't have this. Christians have it. A living person involved with our behavior. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Motive, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Get rid of all those nasty dispositions you brought to the Christian life. Put them behind you. You've been forgiven. Start treating people different because you've been treated different. Be imitators of God the Father. Therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Imitate God because you're his children. What an amazing thing. I put on the uh, first page, the three great motives for our motives are verse 20. You learn Christ this way. When you came to Christ, you learned he acts a certain way. He's a certain kind of person. So Christ himself is a great motive for the way I behave. Verse 30 is, the Holy Spirit is very concerned how I act. And if he's grieved, if he's made sorrowful, and he makes his emotions felt in me, whatever I did, however I justified it, it won't work. I've got to live in such a way that he is not being grieved as a person. He's not being insulted. And then thirdly, the father. As children, we've been called to imitate our father's behavior in chapter five. Imitate how your father 
treat you because you're his children. So reflect his nature, reflect his ethics, reflect his behavior in a fallen world. I thought because it's so major and each of these ethics really are that we would just focus a little bit on the number one ethic of the new life. It literally would say, put off the lie and habitually truth to each other. Uh, I'm taking lying to be intentional deception. Sometimes we're wrong on the figure, we're wrong on the, uh, the stat. We quote something and, and we misquote it or uh, it just doesn't come across. That, that, that's not lying. Lying is intentionally not telling the truth or affirming the truth. So we're talking about intentionality. I really meant to deceive or whatever, not tell the truth. I thought we'd look at several things that we ought to consider if we have problems with lying. Uh, most of us are born liars. Have you figured that out? Children, before they know it, are saying, I didn't do it. Who taught them that? My, I always spank twice for the lie. One for the offense and two for the lie. What about you? I mean, it was double duty. But, but most of you were born liars. And you have to learn to tell the truth. And some of you may still be liars. Because if you don't know Christ, I would assume that's a part of your traits. You tell just enough truth to get by, but we lie in so many ways. But let me tell you a little history of lying. We ought to consider that. First of all, the source of lying that you've got to deal with. There's at least three sources that we have to deal with all the time that set you up to be a liar a lot. Or if you're not telling the lie, to be lied to and believe it. I don't know which is worse sometimes, to always buy the lie or to be the conveyor of the lie. Sometimes people pass on the lie because they've been convinced the lie is the truth and so they pass on a lie without being a liar. They think the lie is the truth. And if you hear a lie long enough, this evolution thing, if you hear long enough that you came from nothing and from an amoeba and you were not created by God, you can actually get a bachelor's degree and believe the lie and teach a whole generation the lie and they don't know they're believing a lie because the lie is taught as the truth and if you tell the lie long enough, we'll never know what the truth is. And so um, the sources of lying, three sources of lying you have to deal with. Number one is Satan is called a liar and he has a spiritual family. John 8, 44 Jesus said to the Jews, you are of your father, the devil. He's a murderer and a liar from the beginning. And when you operate under satanic influence, you will be a liar for he slanders God. Uh, we know how he lied to Adam and Eve. So he's a liar and he has access to your mind by just planting thoughts and you may choose to believe them. And here we go. So he lies a lot. I, I find his most common lies are always against God, God's character, and God's people. 
He never slanders his own. The devil will seldom ever want you mad at one of his kids. He always picks on God's kids. So we get this stuff, all the Christians are hypocrites, or Christians, you can't count on them. Oh, you ought to run with some of those hell raisers for a while. Get over it. Church doesn't have any monopoly on sin. You can run with some crowd that you can't stay alive for a week if you're not willing to be a murderer. So, but he just lies about the saints all the time. Another deceptive thing I've got to deal with is I carry around in my bosom the greatest liar in the world, my own heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 said, the heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And if you listen to your heart, according to Proverbs, you're a fool. Fools trust the heart. And the heart would be your will, your intellect, and your emotions. So if I feel uh, bad, there must be something bad. No, you just feel bad. They, they must have done something bad. And we have this whole lifelong battle with getting over our, our moods, our emotions, uh, our perceptions. You know, you may interpret the person wrongly. What made that negative interpretation? Prejudice, chauvinism, racism, uh, all these kinds of things have to do with your heart, not the devil. I know Christians that are racist. I, I know Christian men that are chauvinists. Uh, what is it? Who, who, who bought into that? Their heart. Because the third thing that lies to you is your culture. What we call the world system, 1 John 2. The world controls the lust of our eyes, the lust of our flesh, and our pride. And there's a cultural setting. You were raised in a certain culture in your home, uh, your block, whatever part of the country, whatever nation. The world system is always lying because it's Satan's puppet to control our desires, to control our eyes, and it deceives us. What you need is this. If you had this, you'd be a success. And it's lying all the time. And we pour all of our life in that which is perishing, that which is of no lasting value, and all the time thinking will be fulfilled. And the culture or the world system is a deceptive thing, always lying, always lying. So look at us. Satan has access to blind our minds and put negative and wrong thinking in our mind. Our heart is a deceptive mechanism that if you just got your heart, you do not have an infallible guide. You've got a warped ruler. And then you've got all this surrounding influence. Your world. You got to do this in my world to be a man or to be acceptable, to be cool. So you're surrounded with lying mechanisms all the time. And God is telling his children, now that I've saved you, I want you to learn to be truth tellers and stop lying. There's a nice little question to ask people. When does a liar quit being a liar? When does a liar quit being a liar? Not when you just say, I won't tell a lie again. That won't work. You quit being a liar when you start becoming a truth teller. You have to eliminate the one and start the other. Until you put on the new activity, you're still potentially a liar. 
It's like a thief. When he's in jail, has he quit being a thief? Now, we may have just limited his surroundings so he cannot pull off another bank robbery, but as soon as he gets out of jail, guess what he will do? He'll act like what he is. So you can incarcerate people and you take them off the streets for a while, but the return rate is overwhelming because their nature's never changed. You haven't quit being a liar until you become a truth teller. And so he's telling these believers, I want you to take on the ethic of you must stop falsehood, lying, these different synonyms, deceit, put it off and speak truthfully to his neighbor. He said that back in 4.15, we ought to be truthing to one another in love. He's telling us Christianity is a religion is a faith that operates on truth and not lies. So the people of God must be known as truth bearers. Let me tell you the second thing you ought to know about lying. Um, the effects of lying have ruined the entire race. Genesis 3, Satan and mankind, unfallen mankind, the player is has God said, thou shalt not eat of the tree? God knows that the day you eat of it, you shall become like him. Now, what had God said? The day you eat of the tree, you shall die. In the last week, a cousin died. My son-in-law's father died. My wife's uncle died. We visited the aunt yesterday in Antioch. If they take the respirator off of her, she'll die. Who told the truth? Did we become gods or did we start dying? Only the most imbecilic, arrogant, asinine, stupid fool would say the race is not dying. God told the truth. We bought the lie. So a lie a lie against God's motive, a lie against God's purpose for mankind, ruined the race, brought sin, brought death, brought weeping, has brought chaos. No wonder God says lying is devil's work and lying is lethal. It kills all relationships. You cannot have a relationship with God, with your wife, with your neighbors. Everybody despises a liar. You can't ever have a relationship that will last on the sands of falsehood. Well, what's the lie of all, above all others? I want you to see, he actually used the definite article here in Ephesians, the lie. But let me take you to Romans, having been there for a while, that's right after Acts. Notice that when mankind chose to give up the glory of God, they didn't want to know God, and they chose to become moronic or empty-minded towards divine things. In verse 24, Romans 1, therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for the lie in the Greek. It's for the lie. There's the lie. 
the primary lie of all lies. And here it is. They worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Pastor Phil Howard here in our series, God's Design for Life. Getting a clue, an understanding, an idea of just how much God really loves us and the design that He has for your life and mine. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, and as we conclude our time together today, we're mindful of the fact that there might be those of you who would enjoy hearing this program again. As always, we have copies available on CD. Simply call or write to us or stop by our website. You can reach us by phone at 855 833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Or stop by our website, truthfortodayradio.org. As you contact us, please bear in mind that we do continue this radio broadcast here on this station through the generous support of Truth For Today sustainers, folks just like you. With your dollars, as you partner with us financially, we'll provide to you, as our way of saying thanks, a quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional. It's all available for you as you partner with us financially. For more information, give us a call. Our phone number, once again, is 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.